0: Hey, PG fans, if you're enjoying this rig rundown,
1: please consider giving us a positive rating in your podcast platform of choice. And while you're at it, subscribe to our feed to make sure you never miss an episode. Not (laughs) half bad for a spicy day in LA.
0: That was great, Trey. Thanks. Uh, uh, I guess we're gonna do it, man. Hey, this is Chris Keyes for Premier Guitar. hanging out, uh, I guess, in my house in Nashville, and Trey's somewhere in a tone bunker in, what, Los Angeles? Orange County?
1: Yeah. We'll say basically Los Angeles.
0: We don't want any of the gear followers to just come knocking, so we'll leave it ambiguous.
1: They're about to find out what they wish they could steal from me. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, let's just give them a list, and we'll just start with the guitar that I have seen you with, and obviously in the behind you, Trey is obviously from In Virtue, but more knownly to you guys as the dude from Behind Gear Gods. Uh, the Kiesel, I've seen you play on yeah. numerous videos, and uh, the In Virtue riff rundown you did for us last week. So tell me about that, and uh, kind of how you come to own that mad sure. machine.
1: So, this is probably my favorite guitar. It, you know it sucks to try and play favorites. Um, it's, it's not really important aside from the fact that it's that I, that I love it so much. And I, I love all, pretty much all of the things about it, and that's probably what makes it my favorite. Um, whereas there are some like specialty guitars that I have or like certain uh, features that I love about certain guitars that maybe I need for something in particular, or -hmm. whatever. Um, This guitar is my favorite, like, overall. Um, And I'm a very, very shallow man uh, when it comes to guitars. Um, Even though features are extremely important, playability, sound, all of that, I don't even uh, think about those things until I pick out a shape that I like. And I'm big on telly shapes. Um, I had the opportunity to customize a, uh, a Kiesel.
0: What are the, some of the highlights in this that you really, you, you know, you, you went through the build a Kiesel,
1: uh, yeah,
0: diagram and, and picked for yourself.
1: Sure. So it's, this is the TL 70 model. Um, actually I think it's been discontinued in favor of the solo. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but the difference is basically that the TL 70 is a neck through, um, I love neck through guitars. If I can get it, that's generally what I'll do. Um, so this one is, like I said, basically Tele shape, uh, two humbuckers, these are the, um, the Kiesel Lithiums, 24 frets, ebony fretboard. I actually generally prefer maple, um, but I wound up going with ebony on this and it looks amazing. Uh, this is my favorite Kiesel headstock the three over four, um, locking tuners, just a single volume knob and a three-way switch.
0: No tone business, huh?
1: Yeah, no, I, I so rarely touch the tone knob that it basically just becomes a liability where I'll <laughs> yeah. be like, man, it's not really sounding quite right today. What's uh, man, some settings on my amp. We need a... Pe- no, I just had the friggin' tone knob rolled down. And it just... You know, just kill me. Like, what's the point? What are we doing with these tone knobs? Like, strats come with two tone knobs? I'm like, who's out there fiddling with their tone knobs that much? Um, so, you know, it's cool. I have a couple guitars with tone knobs. I don't, I don't discriminate. Uh, but if I have the chance, I'm just not gonna get it. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I tune for for in virtue and for most things uh, to, uh, as often as possible, down a whole step from standard. So this is A standard, uh, A-D-G-C-F-A-D.
0: Now, would that be the tune in that you use in the infamous, and I say I, I, I was a fan of it, but uh, the Led Zeppelin video you, you recently did?
1: No. Chris, thanks for asking. <laughs> I used uh, neither that tuning nor that guitar. Instead, I used, because we wanted to do it, a whole octave down, which is so silly and uh, really dumb and fun, and I enjoyed it quite a bit, but I did that on my pretty much brand new Scurvison, 10 model, uh, which is an 8-string, and then I tuned this down a whole step. Actually, I had to use a really wonky tuning, uh, because, for example, the... Uh, when I did, uh, what is it called? Stairway. Um, I had to do like, uh, I had to do it like E-A-D-G-B-E. So like a six string guitar down an octave for the low, uh, six strings of the eight string guitar. And then, yeah. And for the solo, I did that. So actually, I don't think I played the top two strings at all. Whatever. (laughs) Um, so... This one, actually this one's set up pretty similarly with the uh, one, one knob and a three-way switch. It's just a metal machine, you know? But uh, at the risk of demonetizing this video for you. <laughs> Sounds fucking mean. So
0: right there, you split our audience in half. 50% of them are probably going to love that and be like, wow, I want more of that. So go try, check out Gear God's video for that. And 50 of other percent the card right have here. already started so on that side commenting there? in a way that I will see that and probably have to delete it. So be <laughs> kind. <laughs> Choose your words wisely.
1: Led Zeppelin is a sacred cow and people have very strong feelings about it. And I just don't. I'm very wishy-washy about Led Zeppelin. I really like the Black Dog riff, and uh, the rest of it's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, back to the guitar. What is, now, was is this another custom daddy, or is this a...
1: Yes. This, uh what? Wow. Um, Yeah, what per- provoked Polish... you to get a
0: headless guitar? Because I saw you did a, a video of pros and cons of the headless and...
1: Yeah, what, the ups and downs of headless you? guitars. Yeah. Well, um, I knew that if I was going to get an 8-string guitar, I would for sure want a headless. Um, I do like headless guitars. I don't really like them for like, the rock star element. Uh, you know, if I'm trying to do something that, that just like, looks like rock and roll, like a music video, playing on stage, trying to be, yeah, trying to be cool. Uh, The headless guitar is not really the way to go. Uh, You can see that it's strapped up kind of high. This is for, like, you know, the nerdy shit, the prog crowd, um, which is great. I still love it. First of all, um, I love light guitars more than anything, and this thing weighs next to nothing. A headstock is always going to add weight. Yeah. I say add weight as if it's not the default to have a headstock. Um, Having a headless guitar is always going to weigh less than a similar guitar with a headstock, but um, just having eight strings makes a bigger guitar. It's gonna weigh more naturally. So, mm-hmm. um, actually, but I think this guitar, even if it had a headstock, would not weigh a whole lot. It is so very light. Is it chambered? It's not. Uh-huh. Um, it's, uh, well, yeah, all solid. Um, but what you know, the- it's a pretty. it's a pretty thin piece of wood. I always go for swamp ash okay. as often as possible because generally it's the lightest, although sometimes it just isn't, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Wood is, is, uh, wood doesn't conform to what we want it to.
0: It's nature, man.
1: But yeah, exactly, trees don't, trees don't care. Trees aren't worried about how much they're gonna weigh, all right?
0: What about pickups, pickups there, Trey?
1: These are bare knuckles. Um, This is a, a juggernaut. And I think this is an emerald. Uh, oh. Um. Yeah, I like that one. The- so,
0: what do you what what would like other than doing some comical stuff? What and in, and in maybe an, in virtue sense or just a plain uh, having fun sense? What are you? What are you gravitating towards this eight string for? What 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 am I what? gonna
1: do with an eight string? Yeah. Um I I ordered an eight string because at the time I didn't have one. Um I now have two, but I wanted to tr I just basically wanted to try it out in a uh in a better context than just like for four seconds at NAM or whatever. Yeah. Um because yeah. I I don't know, I feel like having more options is usually good. And as long as you're not uh, chugging only on the lowest lowest string. You would would think that that's uh, a thing that you don't want because it's kind of boring or whatever. But then you have one and you plug it in and you make this sound. And you're like, oh. It's so nice. It feels nice. It's like, it's, uh, there's something just primal about a super distorted, really low note. Um, I, actually, yeah, so that's an, that's an E. So that's the lowest note on a four string bass guitar, (laughs) but it, it feels nice. It sounds good. And so I wrote a whole song just for the eight string, um, that, that d- doesn't use just you know just the one eight string that's the like the classic thing that people complain about like oh these friggin gent kids they get their eight string guitars and all they do is chug on the low string it's so boring sounds like a wet frat and uh, I you know I wanted to do something that wasn't uh, that wasn't that but naturally one of those riffs kind of came out like that a little bit etc it's it's all on the low string. And then the rest of the song branches out quite a bit. But like, it's so, it's so addictive. It's super addictive. And the main thing that I don't love about the eighth string is that in order to get all the way down there, you have to really reach. Mm. Um, so you have to hold it up really high if you want to get all the way under there. And um, it's basically, it's ergonomically not very viable for me. Because having your having your wrist like this, all the time, um, or for a lot of whatever you're playing on it, is just not the jam. Uh, it's it's a bad idea.
0: Fan frets. Do they help with that uh, issue?
1: It doesn't help with that particular issue um, because you're still having to reach all the way across the fretboard. If the frets were straight, it wouldn't really make a difference. The um, the the ergonomic factor with uh, I think with the multi-scale or fan fret thing is basically uh, the, more so the string tension than anything else. Mm-hmm. Because with the, uh, the whole reason that that exists is to have more ideal string tension uh, across the fretboard this way. And that makes it just way easier to play because either they're all going to be too loose or they're all going to be too tight. And this way, especially on an 8-string... Um, it's it's just more even across, which makes it easier to play, which makes it more ergonomic. Um, you know, some people say that because the frets more match the spread of your fingers, that that makes it easier to play. I, I haven't really found that to be true, but I can say that I would probably not get an 8-string without the multiscale. Um, on 7 and 6-string, it doesn't feel as important to me. I don't really... I haven't really... Uh, had a problem with it. Um, the next one I'm gonna show you is just a uh, straight across 27 inch scale. And that feels fine to me. Uh, but on the eight string, it gets progressively floppier if you, uh, at, at pitch, if you don't have added tension on that low string. So mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's something I think you gotta have, especially when you go up to eight. It can be cool on sevens and sixes, depending on how you tune it. I don't tune so low in general on the six or seven that it really seems to make a difference. But uh, the other thing about the multi-scale fan fret things is that the palm muting changes because you have to compensate for where you put your... Ah. your chug, your chug hand. So, like, if I just go straight across, um, it, it changes as you go because where you are in relation to the bridge uh, or the saddle is different. Uh-huh. And that's, eh, I mean, you can just compensate for that. But in the moment, I sing and play guitar at the same time. And I don't want to have to worry about that at all, you know. So it's something you could get used to. But in general, I prefer uh, not multi-scale for that very reason. I like the other benefits, but for me, it's not worth the trade-off on six and seven string. Gotcha.
0: Well, you kind of already alluded to it. I want to see this 27 you got sitting in the wings.
1: Sure. Um, Oh, I think uh, I forgot to mention this is 20... Oh, you know what? It's 28. This one's 28 inches to 26 and a half, I think. So this is my longest scale guitar. So this is my Kiesel Vader. It's a 27 inch uh, one. Also neck through, like I said, love the neck through. Um, If for no other reason, then it usually means that you can get better upper fret access because the heel in general is going to be, uh, less noticeable. You know, there's nothing, you don't have to have two chunks of wood so that you can screw them Mm -hmm. together. Um, you know, some people think that bolt on guitars sound better or, uh, whatever. Um, and uh, I don't know, maybe, but, uh, for me it's a well worth the trade off. I have never really noticed, any super extreme difference in uh, in the tone?
0: I was gonna say, have you have noticed what about like uh, maybe sustain? I know sometimes people will say that one way or the other, uh, sustain is, can be an issue or a lack thereof.
1: I haven't. I haven't really noticed that. Um, but
0: plus, you're playing with such high volume and a lot of times in distortion, so it's like it doesn't really.
1: Yeah, for metal, I think it, it matters a lot less to be honest, like, it seems yeah, kind of cheap, but, you know, uh, I mean, I, I record a lot of different kinds of music, I write a lot of different kinds of music, and I have other guitars that are a lot less for metal, you know, like, I've got a telly, like, a proper Fender telly that's not here at the moment, but um, I use that one a lot. That one is more, you know, more for the clean, mid-gain sort of thing. I love that, and... That's got plenty of sustain for that kind of thing. So that's kind of my go-to. Gotcha. Yeah. But, so this is my other headless guitar. And I recorded our whole album on this one on, uh, for all the rhythm guitars and a, a good chunk of the leads. But this was the main one for that. It's, um, it just sounds so good.
0: I was going to say, like, what do you dig about it that it did so much work on your, on your personal record?
1: So my biggest uh, pet peeve on guitars, because I play hard, I pick pretty hard.
0: Uh-huh.
1: The pitch wobble for, uh, for notes when you just hit it too hard and it goes, you know, that bugs me so much that I put really thick strings um, for, the, for the low strings and I try to go for a longer scale if I can get it. Which is funny, because I started out, my very first review ever was the Keith Marrow KM7, the Schechter. And I hadn't played a long-scale guitar before, and I complained about it. And that was only 26 and a half inches. And now I actually prefer a 27, not just because of the increased string tension, but also because even uh, on the the higher frets and everything, you actually have bigger targets. (laughs) The thing is that I suck at the guitar, and um, I need, you know, I I don't want to miss and like on a shorter scale guitar I'll I'll literally miss the notes my friggin ham fingers and uh so yeah because the scale is longer the frets the space between the frets is actually going to be significantly bigger so it's a bit more of a stretch down here but I'm pretty used to that at this point and doesn't Mm -hmm. bother me at all so uh using um even the same gauge that I use on like a 25 and a half inch scale like on the TL-70 it's uh 25 and a half And I don't change the string gauge when I go up to the 27. Um, And it's pretty, they're pretty tight, like. But I can really rail on it without the pitch going wild.
0: What strings do you prefer, like gauge wise?
1: If only I came prepared for the. (laughs) So I I use 68, 56, 40, 40, 40, 40, 30. 17 13
0: 10 Oh Feel like that was just like that NXS video where they're holding up the signs and they fall off. That was uh that was pretty dramatic.
1: Um well, drama's the name of the game, bro. This is YouTube. Uh we're going up against people like Logan Paul and uh, and girls who just talk about their boyfriends like how am I supposed to get some attention if I I don't fling strings around, you know? Um, but I'm using Ernie Ball Slinkies, and I love those to death. I like really bright strings, and that's what they are. I, I have also used their Cobalt ones. Those are pretty cool. Uh, definitely the most different string that I've ever used. They feel really, um, really interesting. Uh, it's really hard to describe, but I like those a lot. Um, so, yeah, so that, uh, that g- string gauge is, Pretty reasonable in the top end, right? Like a 10, 13, 17. That's pretty typical. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we get down to this 56 and 68, and that's that's a lot. That's a big that's a big boy.
0: Yeah. It's barbed wire.
1: We're down a whole step, so that's that's pretty low. Not not incredibly low, but that's pretty low. And it's a 27 inch scale, so it's it's pretty tight. But I don't have any of those pitch wobble problems and. And uh, so this was the one that was the best for rhythm guitar. And so, uh, oh, also it's incredibly light and feels great to hold for a long time. So one of the biggest problems that I run into is if I'm playing a heavy guitar and I've got it, you know, pulling on on my shoulder all day, um, I start to get problems in my hands because, you know, it basically pinches off these nerves that run all the way down your neck and down your arm and uh, it's, that's bad news bears. Some dudes have no problem with this at all. They can wear a Les Paul all day long, down around their knees, bend their wrists like this, and have a great time. And that's great, good for you. I can't do that. Um, I wind up with, uh, with some major problems. I actually wound up not playing guitar for a whole summer. I couldn't play guitar for months uh, because I wound up with some, with some major problems, some tendonitis and all kinds of stuff. So I'm pretty careful about that now. Uh, you may have noticed my nicely padded strap from Rock Ready. I have a billion of these, these are, the, these are my favorite strap.
0: So in the interim, what have you done besides get different straps that obviously release the tension on your shoulder and pinch nerves, but is there anything else you do for warm-ups or anything to stretch your hands or even, you know, just to, just to keep that uh, nasty carpal tunnel at bay and nerve damage?
1: So I use an ergonomic keyboard. Um, actually this one <laughs> is the best one that I've found. And it is also the cheapest. It's just this Microsoft ergonomic keyboard. Super easy to use. And uh, I think it's like $30 or $40. I've bought like five of them. Um, the, ex- the more expensive ones that are like two dollars or $300, I don't really like them. Um, and then I have a foot switch mouse click. No joke. Um, because the, the thing about... Yeah, this one is called the uh, Kinesis uh, Savant I've Elite 2. Which is the fanciest name of any foot switch thing in the world. Um, but the, the the main problem is when you're on the computer is the clicking motion, not so much the moving it around. So you outsource the click to your foot and it helps immensely. Uh, this one is very expensive. You can actually get ones that are way cheaper. Um, I think I spent like almost $200 on that, but it's well worth it. Um, and I got a, stand, a sit stand desk.
0: Yeah, I got one of those.
1: This is another great tool for ergonomics is being able to play uh, while you're practicing, if nothing else, in like a classical position. You know, you put your foot up on this and then you put this on your on your knee going this way. And it's actually closer to what you would do when you're standing up and playing because the guitar is like this. A lot of people sit down and they play like this, you know, on, the, on their right knee. Um, and then you stand up to play and it's completely different. So it's actually a lot closer to what you'd be doing, playing standing up in front of an audience or whatever. So it's, I think, better to get used to playing like that, like you're actually gonna play and do it like that. So those are just a couple of the things. I actually, I'm, I'm holding the guitar a little bit lower to look cool for the video, but in actuality, I usually play it up here because that allows a more neutral position for your wrist. Um, because the lower it is, the more uh, squishy it gets and you're you know you're either um, stressing out your your uh, Mm. nerves and tendons going this way or kinda crushing them here so the more neutral you are the better and uh, the better it is ergonomically once again a lot of people don't have any problem with this at all I have to be pretty careful about it and it's possible that you do too Um, but yeah just being able to um, to get as low as I need to go without too much flexion, I think this is called flexion and torsion, um, that, uh, that works out pretty well for me. Of course, ca- the longer scale and, and heavier string gauge works against that a little bit, but it's always a trade-off, you know what I mean? Like, the most ergonomically sound thing to do would be uh, to not play guitar at all, <laughs> but yeah. that is obviously not an option. <laughs>
0: Well, tell me more about tell me more about the Vader you got you got that beautiful maple fretboard but then also I love the yeah the finish so on
1: it. this it's like Arctic is white so actually the so the fretboard sort. is maple uh, birds eye maple love birds eye maple that's my number one favorite fretboard wood if I can get it and this actually has one of I think only two. When I got it, maybe since then it's, it, there's more, but it's it's actually a white kiesel treated fretboard. It's pretty subtle, but it's um, it's a lot lighter than it would have been. Actually, you can see the um, between the the side and the front. It's uh, it's much lighter. Um, so not super dramatic, but but enough. And then the the finish is like I'm not even really sure uh, what to call it but yeah it's it's like a, a nice flame maple top with like a yeah like a white burst and then trans white in the middle. I have been on a a quest to find a good trans white finish, and it's hard to come by because what I discovered is that there is no such thing as white dye because if you no. if you dye something you have to dye it a darker color um than white so if you're gonna get a a trans white finish it's going to be a spray and it's never gonna look the same as like uh, a dyed top.
0: We did a tour in the Gibson factory before they moved out of Memphis in 2009-2010 and they mentioned that the hardest color that they did was white and actually all of the Les Pauls and like solid body guitars that were made in Nashville at the time were either made there and shipped or made in Memphis where the 35s were made, 335s. And they used a special day of the week to do just white paint for bodies because it was such a, to what you're saying, not only is that the user end not being happy, but I guess it's a pain in the ass to to paint anything white when it comes to instruments. And uh, I know from painting a house recently, white walls is a bitch too. <laughs> so, so in any regard, I, I know that uh, the headaches are all around from uh, builder to
1: yeah. Uh, so, um, in terms that's of it's fine. Like uh, this one looks great. I'm very happy with this, and it sounds awesome. Uh, and this one, I actually have a coil tap, uh, which makes it even that much more flexible.
0: Trey, you have way too many guitars <laughs> for us to show right now, but I'm glad that you're going to show us this Telly that you already talked to us about. Now that it's in your hands, it's over your shoulder. Tell me spec-wise what it is and, and what you dig about it and why it's still in the collection.
1: Sure. So, like I said, I love tellies. Um, I like most things about them, namely just the friggin' look of it. Love the shape and the, um, but I also really love the sound. I love that kind of thin twang, um, especially because it's, pretty opposite from what I'm usually using, trying to get a really beefy humbucker or sound. Um, I like having... Uh, there's no guitar that sits in a mix as good as a Tele. Obviously it's for a completely different style of music in general. But this is an American Ultra Tele. Um, I think it's a... Uh, it's new for this year. Um, oh god, was it this year or last year? Was last year? I think it's last year. Um, I think it was new for 2019. And it's got some really cool features. Uh, A lot of tellies do not have good contours, which is one of the things that bugs me about a lot of it, but these um, new ones have Uh a really cool little uh, contour for your left hand and for your belly, which is good because I'm um, a fluffy boy. (laughs) I need that.
0: (laughs) The one thing that strikes me and it coming through Zoom and the small video I'm looking at of you, and I'm sure everyone will see it close up, is the binding off that blue is just popping. I love that. I
1: love that. It pops. Um, In general, if I can't get a white guitar, I'm going to go for a blue one. Also really, really love blue. And uh, maple neck, maple fretboard, locking tuners. You know, people drastically misunderstand locking tuners. Um, They're like, well, you just got to, you know, you got to wrap it real good. It's not going to move. But that's... For me, I just want to be able to change my string in two seconds and not sit there and go rawr, rawr, rawr. kill me. Kill me. Like, locking tuners, yes, stability uh, can be much better. Um, but just the fact that I can just and and make all these noises, sound effects, fully. Um, the fact that I can just cut it off, not have to wrap it at all, um, that makes my whole life. so. Very modern telly. Um, it's also got this, uh, it's got the newest Fender noiseless pickups um, and a little uh, like second mode. Yeah, it's like know, an S1 switch modern. or something.
0: Doesn't it do something like uh, internally with the wiring? It it kind of reroutes, I think it doesn't it just go straight to the,
1: the output. It bypasses the compressor. Yeah. Yeah. so that you can escape i have no idea but it's it, it's once again just a a make sound different button I, it's slightly higher output
0: yeah i think it bypasses things so it goes straight out to the output
1: that could that sounds like it could be different. but i
0: do know that it's called the s1 button and 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 people yeah and people people have been digging it
1: yeah i i love this thing i record recorded a, a good bit so i have Uh, Aside from Gear Gods and In Virtue, I also do like this solo thing, Uh, I actually have a whole other channel for it, it's just a Trey Xavier channel. Uh, There isn't a whole lot of stuff on there just yet, but this kind of uh, stuff that I write for that on my Twitch channel, uh, I do a lot of what I call like cinematic guitar, so I'll like write these songs that are kind of like movie soundtrack score stuff, uh, but the guitar is just kind of like the melody instrument. And so this guitar um, winds up in a lot of that kind of thing. It's just like. It just sounds so good in almost any context.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, man, just uh, play us through the different, you know, the neck and the, the, the bridge and them together. Kind of hear what we got going on.
1: Um, you know, I, uh, using like kind of a mid-gain type of a sound. <laughs> And then, that's the middle one. Neck position. And then with the, what is apparently called the S1 button. On and off. then middle without with yeah i like it i think it makes it a little beefier yeah because like i said the thing that i like about the telly or one of the things is sort of the thinness of the sound But, you know, if this is like your main guitar and you're playing a lot of different styles or maybe just for certain parts of the song, you need a little more oomph, that's going to come in really handy. Especially for like a little bit more of a high gain lead kind of a sound, you might need more like just. You don't want it to sound too uh, like ice picky, you know, because that's a danger. With a telly. So.
0: Well, cool, man. I, um, so, yeah. I want you to put on maybe the Vader or the very first Kiesel you showed us and, and walk us through, I mean, the revs behind you and what else you got working on the signal chain here because uh, I know people are dying to know the rest, of, uh, the rest of your war chest. The rest
1: of the story.
0: Right. <laughs> uh, we got you back on the Kiesel 7-string. Now... Let's talk about this amp that's been hiding behind us. You know, it's been roaring, but it's been hiding. Now let's acknowledge the amp in the room uh, and talk to me about that beast.
1: Yeah, so I use lots of different stuff. Uh, A lot of, you know, a lot of plug-in amp sims, a lot of floor amp sims. Uh, I've used rack amp sims. I use so many different amp sims and amp sounds. Just, like I said, wanting to have the biggest possible toolbox. But I also love having a real big boy tube amp Um, as often as possible, you know. They're uh, obviously a lot more expensive than a $100 plug-in or whatever, but um, this is, in my estimation, the greatest amp ever made in the history of time.
0: No uh, hyperbole there.
1: I know, I know. Um, Well, if you've ever plugged into one, you will also be spouting such hyperbole. This is the Rev Generator 120 uh, Mark II. It's, uh, as you can see, customized with my various and sundry uh, logos. We've got the Gear Gods logo. It says Trey Xavier. That's my name. Over (laughs) here it says In Virtue. This is is the old In Virtue logo. We have a new one, but I have not yet gotten a new faceplate. It's all white. That was also custom. Um, It has four completely different channels um not just like like four different channels that are like uh copies of other amps or anything like that the rev design is completely 100 percent original it's it's not like a like a boosted marshall or a, a modded 5150 or something like that it's completely from the ground up original and it sounds incredible so like not only do I have a pretty unique sound in terms of like what most people will have, you know, who don't have access to something like this, a a unique, amazing sound that's perfect for the kind of music that I play and uh, just has so many options and flexibility because it's a completely analog signal path but it's a it's digitally controlled so I don't have the foot switch with me right now but you can store presets in the foot switch and it'll uh, like through the uh, you know digital like relay controls and stuff there are certain uh, aspects of it that you can control and save so that when you do channel switching it's act you can actually do patch switching kind of like you would on a modeler or something like that so I think aside from it just sounding the best of any amp I've ever used, it's also, like, flexible to the point of, like, you could almost have the same flexibility or similar flexibility to using a modeler, which, to me, like, the convenience of a modeler is more why I use it than anything else. And I have I do get them to sound really, really good. But, you know, like, in a live situation, if you can haul something this size... You can also get tons of flexibility by having that those those patches rather than uh, you know just a channel switch having to do a little dance every time. You can have a patch that like turns on, for example, the aggression level, as well as that changes the channel was... and turns on the the fat or the bright um, and the the loop or one of the two master volumes, so that like if you want a solo tone, you could have. Uh, you could have it switch to uh, the, a different channel, turn the loop on where you've got your like delay pedal. You could t- uh, turn on the bright so that you cut through a little bit more and then have the volume louder because you've set the second master volume up a bit more.
0: Do you want to try going to cook through some of the channels quick and kind of give us a, sure. a, a kind of a, a taste test of what's, you know, what, what you've got going on there between the four channels?
1: Absolutely, so I changed the, you know, what it actually sounds, I changed the settings and everything, depending a lot on whatever it is that I'm trying to get, you know, so, um, but, here's the clean channel, just, uh, oh, basically, let's flatten it out, okay? Super clean, very, very clean. Um, to actually, even at high volumes, doesn't really uh, get gritty almost at all. Um, channel two is like the crunch channel, right? So yeah, just crunchy. Um. And then there are two completely distinct uh, original flavors of high gain, which is really what I need more than anything else, you know, <laughs> like, um, obviously. Or that, that's the most important thing. Having a good crunch and clean channel is, like, the best fucking gravy of all time. But if I don't, um, if I don't have really good high gain, I'm not going to spend that much money on it. When it comes to the high gain channels there are not just, there's not just a gain knob, there's something called aggression levels. And uh, as you push the aggression levels up, they're like, you know, stepped, there's like no aggression level, and then, uh, uh, what is it, red, uh, blue and red. What would you, um, ch- it-
0: Trey, what would you say is the difference between a gain, a standard gain knob and an aggression knob?
1: So, a gain knob is like continuous, mm-hmm. you know? The aggression uh, switch, is uh, like a a preset amount of extra, of more. So you can, for example, if I wanted to use just the purple channel for all of my high gain sounds, I can have a a setting on the foot switch, like a patch, one with no aggression, and then if I wanted a ton of gain for my lead sound, I could have it on red aggression, Mm. and and then I can just switch between the two of them with a single foot switch, so I don't have to turn the knob. Um, it also does something else. Uh, not, it's not just more gain. I, I'm not, a, uh, I'm not that uh, fancy, so I don't know exactly what it is. But I'll just let you uh, hear the difference. All so, right. like, so that's it. No aggression. And then, oh, I'm gonna turn the gate on. And then here it is on Red Aggression. Um, So, like, I'll crank the gain all the way up. This is the, this is as gainy as it's gonna get. Super, super tight, really aggressive. That's without any of the switches or, or anything fl- super flat. That's no pedal, not boosted at all. This is just straight up guitar into amp. It's angry. So, it's, angry. it's so angry. What did I ever do to you to make you so angry? Um, okay. Then I'll flatten it out a bit again. We'll head over to the red channel. Um, actually, you know what? Wait, hold on. Um, so like I also like to turn on the bright and fat switches because it just it makes it cut a little bit better. Um, once again, like super important for the guitar tone to cut through the mix um, for a rhythm guitar, you know. And there's a contour switch, which basically gives you a little bit of a scoop. If you're cutting too much. Um, and all of those things also exist on the red channel. The switches go both ways. Um, so here's the red channel just flat. Also extraordinarily mean. Um, once, And that's... Just gain at noon, everything at noon. Up the, up the aggression level to blue. It's uh, just a different
0: kind of mean. Now, I might be jumping ahead of myself, but a lot of times with these sorts of amps that uh, go this angry, um, they have no- built-in noise gates. Does the rev, or do you have that in a, a pedal somewhere?
1: This one does not. I am currently using, if we pan the camera, uh, I'm using my grandma Glenn's cock blocker gate, um, which is a great gate. I give Glenn a ton of shit, because that's what we do, but he made a good thing. If he, Talk about angry. Look how angry this chicken is. <laughs> he's got pentagrams for eyes, and he's spitting fire. Um, like check this out. That's what it would sound like without it. The bird is angered by noise. It is fed by anger. It's fed its rage is white hot at the at the buzz sound <laughs> at the noise. So um, and it's so simple that an idiot could use it, which is good because I am an idiot. Proof so proof. proof. <laughs> it's only got one knob. How do you blow that? Um so the uh it does not have a built-in gate. Um but the thing is honestly like it like I said it's set up in such a way that it's probably one of the best maybe the best amp you could ever have to play live. But uh I only use it to record. <laughs> so it actually doesn't matter if it uh has a gate or not to me yeah um a gate would for sure uh make it even just that much easier to use one less pedal on your board. The angle has a great uh gate built in we'll get to that but um the uh the generator does not um but I haven't yet to find um to find it that the i that who, 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 uh, uh <laughs> I didn't find it lacking until you suggested that it should have one, okay? Fine! Um, No, it's, yeah. Um, But I'm usually using a gate of some kind. Either, when I'm recording, I'm gonna gate it in post, um, manually, painfully, using strip silence and Pro Tools, um, or just use a, uh, or like use the cock blocker or something like that, so. All right,
0: Trey, how is everyone hearing the rev right now? Are they hearing it direct, or are you hearing it, are we hearing it, I should say, through a speaker?
1: So I, uh, in spite of having this wall of rev cabs over here um, and loving real earth-shattering uh, super loud cabs, I don't really have, um, I don't have any kind of isolation box or, or a studio or proper studio where I can record these and I need to record all the time. So I use the, prob, what is probably the most indispensable tool in my entire arsenal which is the two notes torpedo reload this thing does everything but more, uh, more importantly than anything else it's a load box that'll allow me to take the signal out from here the whole sound of the amp okay from the, the power section and have it go into the reload and then out into my interface which is a Universal Audio Apollo Twin Quad, which I also love so much. Yeah, those are great. And that goes straight into Pro Tools. Now, if you've ever done something like that, uh, you'll know that the, you, you understand very quickly that the sound of a guitar uh, is the sound of an amp through a cab. And so once it gets into the computer... Then I'm going to load up some cab IRs, uh, which are like like a cab sim, so the reason that I actually prefer that for recording a hundred times over a real cab is that, uh, first of all, you're not married to the sound once you record it. And the cab sound to me is the most important part of the entire thing, because if you if you ever mess around with loading in different uh, cab sounds it's absolutely night and day like uh, you can change the sound so drastically that I've come to believe that the sound of the the cab sound that you're using which is actually the sound of not just the cab but or the type of speaker that you're using um, but also the the microphone the signal chain microphone preamp um, the whole everything the cable even to a certain extent and those are all things that you can't, you can't change after the fact unless, you, unless you're using a digital cab sim sound. So I like having that flexibility after the fact, especially since when you're sitting there playing it, you don't hear it the same. And I especially like having that kind of flexibility because when you're playing it, it doesn't sound the same as when you're just listening back. So if I had to like, use a mic on a cab, first of all my neighbors, my poor neighbors, if you listen carefully you can actually hear birds tweeting through my lav mic because the the garage door is right there and I, I can see daylight, alright, it's I'm practically outside so my poor neighbors would just die um, at the volume that I would need to crank it to to make it sound right coming through a a, a cab this way I've got it cranked way the hell up, I mean well, okay, about halfway, but if, the, if this was going through the cab right now and I turned it on, we'd all die. That's so loud at 120 <laughs> watts, even halfway. If I crank this up to whoop, much less one, I can't even get it up to whoop without it being super loud, which is great if you're playing Shea Stadium or whatever. Um, why did I pick Shea Stadium?
0: Beatles, man. Isn't that
1: Chicago? Isn't that where you're from?
0: No, that's uh, New York. Chase Ames, where the Mets played in one of the, the Beatles' last concerts.
1: I don't know anything about baseball. Um, <laughs> I'm, from, I'm from fucking Boston, so if you're playing at Fenway, kid, um, <clears throat> great. If you're playing at Fenway, you're a baseball player, not a guitarist. Um, anyway, so um, this allows me to not just record crazy big amps really loud, Um, to, you know, really get those tubes cooking if I want to, um, I can also change the sound so, so much in post and make it sound exactly like I want it to, blend cab sounds together super easily. You know, I gotta put out, I put out two videos a week. I can't be, like, spending a lifetime engineering these sounds. And honestly, more than anything else, I spend time getting the getting the cab sounds right, um, blending in different things that I like about different cabs. Uh, For example, right now um, I'm using two of my own cab IR sounds from the Trey Xavier producer pack, which you can find on Lancaster Audio. So you can actually get the tones that I use in terms of the cab, uh, the cab sounds. Right now I'm using like a blend of a Marshall 1960 vintage and a Carvin Legacy cab, because I love the high end on the Legacy, and I like pretty much everything else about the Marshall Vintage. And then I blend them together in Lancaster Audio Pulse, which is a free cab loader. And, um, but if I sit down later to, and to take this uh, thing that we've recorded and send it to you, and I go like, oh man, it sounds kind of harsh in the high end. Maybe I should use something else. I can swap it out. And what you're gonna hear Will be completely different so i think that's definitely the best way to do it and uh you know dudes think that because it's like digital in the computer or something it's not going to sound as good because what they're used to hearing is these things rattling their friggin nuggets standing 10 feet away but there's nothing there's no recording that sounds like that or feels like that and it's pretty much impossible to capture unless you've got like all the time in the world in a real studio, so. You have neither. uh, Yeah, I can get much closer to that by using tons of, uh, by using cab sims, blending them the right way, a little bit of EQ, a little bit of compression, and we're off to the races.
0: Is there anything else you wanna say about the Rev? I I feel like you've covered all the colors and the anger issues it has, but uh, is there anything else that we should know about the
1: generator? So, the sound that I've been most enamored with on it. That's the, what I'm gonna show you right now is like what I would probably actually do with it. You know, I I go back and forth with the red and purple channel as to which one is my favorite. Lately, I've been digging the red one. I thought the purple was, uh, was my sound and now I'm really liking the red one. Um, but I like to give it a little bit more low end, little bit of extra bait or mid and turn on the fat and bright switches yeah killer
0: that's a that's a riff rifle there son
1: it's a riff rifle you should have to get a a license to operate one of these it's the best it's the best amp in the world the only other amp that I want that I don't have is the Mesa Boogie JP2C. Um, super completely different from this, and my, that's my other favorite sound, because I'm uh, kind of like a dream theater John Petrucci tone fanatic.
0: Nothing wrong with that. What you had mentioned the Angle. What What's the story behind the Angle?
1: So over here are the other three amps that I use the most um, that I love so much. The Savage 120 Mark II from Angle. That's pretty new. Um, I think it was new uh, last year, maybe. But whatever. It's the other big boy heavy amp um, that I like the most. Also, tons and tons of features. Um, Very similar to the Rev in that it's like digitally controlled analog signal path. This one does have a built-in noise gate, which is really good. Um, And just tons of little buttons that do all kinds of different things. uh, Different mid controls. um, Some contours, shape um, buttons. (sighs) Like, so much. I honestly have not even gotten that, that into it. Because when I turned it on at basically flat. It sounded so good that I just like didn't almost do anything else with it. Um, Then I'm also um, using the Rev D20. So the D20 is obviously considerably more adorable than the 120. Uh, It is 20 watts, it's a lunchbox head. I love, love lunchbox heads because in spite of being a big tough metal guy, (laughs) Um, I like things that are cute and I don't care who knows it Um, and lunchbox heads are cute Uh, man I'll never ever crank something like this up probably uh, through a cab at home it's just there's no circumstances under which I would probably do that Um, so 20 watts is plenty if you're gonna even for a gig man like 20 tube watts is probably as much or more than you would need This one has a 20 watt and a four watt switch, and fancy pants. Check this out. It has a built-in two notes torpedo cab loader thingy. Um, So I can load my own cab sounds into here and go direct out to front of house. I don't even have to plug it into a cab if I don't want to, or I can, or I could do both. Um, So, that is fancy as hell. Look at the big um, brain on rev. Yeah, they're extremely forward thinking. Like um yeah, they want to make it as usable as possible. And that's um that's the that's it's the, just the best. Uh, like you can see on the front here there's this virtual cabinet selector knob. So you could even like for a different song or a different part of the gig or whatever like different sets or whatever you could switch to a different cab, or you can set it in the foot switch, which cab you're using for which patch. What the hell? That's so much cool stuff. And if that wasn't enough, that wasn't, so this is like a pedal platform amp, it's mostly entirely clean, you can make it a little bit gritty, there's a boost and you can turn the gain all the way up and you'll get a little bit of grit out of it, but it's mostly clean. There, I have another one coming that's the G20. So this is D20 Dynamis 20. Um, It's based on their Dynamis amp. The G20 is based on the generator and it's got the purple channel in it instead of a clean or it's uh, also got a clean sound but it's um, the high gain part of it is the purple channel and it sounds devastating and it's this big so I'm like, what? maybe I kind of do want to use a, a tube amp in a live scenario. If it's going to be this big and it's going to sound that good and it's going to be that easy to use, stick a fork in me, bro. <laughs> it's the future. This is what 2020 looks like. Okay.
0: Get on board or get left There's, behind.
1: Yeah. Like why, what are you, what are you doing? Um. So... Uh, the G20 is literally coming this week. I wish I could have put it in here, but you can just imagine that it looks like this, but uh, I think it might, it might be black. I think it's I think it's going to be black. Um, and it's, uh, it just sounds more like this one. Um, and yeah, uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It lights up. The little logo lights up um, when you change the color, just like on this one. Super great. Um, and then, beyond that, this one I just recently acquired, um, and kind of a similar deal. The it's called the Blue Guitar Amp One. Oh yeah. This is a 100 watt amp. Look at this. This little tiny thing that weighs next to nothing is a, a not a not just like a, a preamp. It's a whole amplifier. Like you plug this into a cab, and It'll go. It'll make, it makes loud. Plug in two cab, make loud. 100 watts. Um, It's not like quite as flexible as the rev ones because, uh, although it does have reverb and a boost built in, uh, and actually four completely different channels, um, it doesn't have like a a built-in cab loader. It has like a, like a direct out kind of cab sim thing but it's just one sound and, uh, but this thing, uh, similar to the rev and the angle, sounds like the breath of God, like the high gain channel is crushing. Um, this was my biggest surprise of the year. Actually, if you, I don't think anyone did it better than Ola England when he first plugs it in on his, uh, his video about it. The face that he makes when he starts chugging on it says it all. Um, <laughs> You know, it's, like, if, I don't want to, I don't want to say, like, whatever. It's, it's close enough to these other amps that for the price and the size, I was super, super impressed. So, you were sold. Uh, oh, this is the, it's it's the Iridium edition. I don't know if I said that. There's two different uh, amp ones. There's the Mercury edition, which I have had and is very cool, but it's much more vintagey. The Iridium Edition is the modern, super heavy, high gain, really tight and crunchy. Um, Has these little switches on the side um, for a boost. You can set the boost per channel. Um, It's basically like like a tube screamer built in and a built in noise gate.
0: Trey, this is my favorite part of the situation that we call the rig rundown. I'm a pedal fanatic. Hello, my name is Chris. I have a problem with pedals. This time, unlike any other time, thank you for your support, Troy, is uh, I don't get to see the pedals until now because you've been staging them in a way that all I could see were their bottoms.
1: Well, that's and the so, best part anyway. please
0: enlighten me and tell me what is going on with your signal chain.
1: Sure. Well, we have teased you long enough. Uh, now we're gonna show you the goods. Um, so this is not like my pedal, my pedal board, you know. I put this together for this. I um, these are just the pedals that I use the most, mostly for recording. Um, really, j- just for recording. So, the first thing is one of the most things that one of the most important things that you can have um, in your on your pedal board is a gate, a good gate. I'm using the Cock Blocker, like I said earlier, uh, from my good buddy Glenn Fricker. This is a really good quality gate um super simple one knob one button which is great because I'm dumb um but it's like a key style gate so that means that the input uh triggers the gate which is actually in the loop of the amp so you put it in the effects loop and that's important because then it comes after the preamp and because the preamp will just make in a high gain amp just makes noise kind of by itself just that's just the nature of what gain does it raises the noise floor and so, if you only have the gate in front of the amp, you're only gating out the signal of your guitar and pedals, and not the preamp noise. So this will make it completely dead silent, and that's great. That's what you want. That works great. Um, it's kind of funny because it's a, it's an effect that doesn't make a sound. It makes it's the opposite of like most sound most effects pedals that make a noise. This one makes no noise. So uh, actually, I'm going to leave it on. Uh, moving on to this next pedal, this is uh, an Arts in Bloodshed fuzz, hand-painted. It, it looks so pretty. I cannot for the life of me remember what it's actually called, but um, it's the green and purple one, I guess. Um, it sounds thusly. So you might think, Trey, that sounds terrible. That sounds like shit. But it's not. Um, it Fuzz, in general, kind of sounds gnarly uncontrolled, wild. Um, it, if you turn up the gain, it does even weirder things. Okay? That's horrendous, but the reason that I use this pedal is not for the sound by itself, um, but what I love to do, and I've done this on both of the In Virtue singles, is you take a little bit of this, okay? and you blend it in with like your typical high gain sound and it makes the guitars pop. So on both of our singles, uh, Purgatory, which is the first one from our forthcoming album and then now our newest one, which is called Where the Edges Meet, we used like a a typical high gain amp sound and then layered in just a little bit of this pedal underneath it and it gave it this whole other dimension. This is a trick that I learned from the Meshuga producer whose name escapes me at the moment, but this is something that they did on their most recent album where they just uh, used like kind of like a shitty, broken amp sound is what how he described it. But basically, it kind of sounds like a fuzz pedal, so I tried that out, and it worked gangbusters. I like this one the most because it has a three-band EQ and a lot of fuzz pedals don't have anything like that. So That sounds
0: but, like something similar that uh, Matt Pike does a lot with Sleep and, and yeah. I don't know if it, does, it translates in High and Fire, but I know for sure Sleep he uses like, a really old shitty pig nose amp, and it does the same type of thing where it adds just little hair on the the main guitar tracks, and it kind of just does this same special effect.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty cool, and um, you know, it, this, this we're getting into kind of experimental territory with that. But <laughs> if you layer a lot of sounds um, in your recordings or whatever, like that's um, that's a good thing to try. Um, I, I I really I really like that a lot. Um, Moving on, um, I really love boosting amps with overdrives um, for certain types of sounds. For certain amps especially, if you're using something that has maybe like a, not, a, not a very tight low end or it's not very aggressive sounding, even if you want to boost something that's not a high gain amp into making it more high gain, a lot of those kinds of amps, the low end just doesn't really get along with, um, with a high-gain metal sound. So, uh, here's a great example um, of an amp that always needs to be boosted pretty much 100% of the time. Uh, Mesa Boogie Rectifier, which you plug straight in and it, it it's doesn't sound good. I don't like it at all. Um, so, you need something in front of it. Um, this is the AerisFX Brutal Drive. I actually use their Savage Drive more um, but this one is uh, pretty much the same thing but a little bit different flavor Um, and it it does the same thing so what you do uh, with an overdrive as a boost pedal is that it shapes the tone and gives you uh, a little more output so it hits the front of the amp harder um, and you can also add a little bit of dirt. Um, So this one has bite tight dirt and volume knobs and they basically... Uh, are the tight is like a high pass so it uh, shovels out a lot of that uh, low end and the bite is like a little bit of more treble and that's going to sound different than if you turn up the treble knob on the amp um, because it's it's just reacting differently dirt is uh, of course gain so here's what we're going to do we're going to use the green channel on the rev because it's the crunch channel it's not really made for high gain but um, Uh, okay like here it is with the gain I'm looking at the wrong place this is it with the gain all the way up no pedal Really nice, warm, crunchy sound, but let's uh, let's blast it into the stratosphere um, and try to make it a little more metal-friendly. Uh, that's a bit much. That's the... the I turned the tight knob the, the wrong way, too much. But okay, check it out. That's with the tight and bite, at sort of nominal, a little bit of dirt. Let's turn the titan bite up a little more. All of a sudden it's a chug machine. What the hell? That's so sick. Um, You can make it even dirtier. So that'll work with like a sort of mid-gain sound like this. If you want to get a, a lot more juice out of it and also shape it a little bit more. So this is like an indispensable tool, as far as I'm concerned. Something like this. This is just the one that I use. Um, it gets the job done. We've used it on, on uh, all. We used it on all of our new album, I think. I kind of left it up to the producer, so I don't know exactly what's going on in there, but. And then the final one. Is um, is like a little bit more hi-fi of an overdrive pedal. This one is brand spankin' new, and I instantly super dug it. Um, This is the I Scream pedal from Iconic Guitars. Um, So like, here, uh, this is the clean channel on the red. Okay, and then. A lot of overdrive pedals, like your typical Tube Screamer type of sound, It it, it sort of narrows the frequency range a bit. This one's a little more uh, like full frequency, which I like for certain applications, especially like just kind of... Um, You know, sort of of middle-of-the-road, mid-gain rock types of sounds. Um, You can get there. This isn't going to give you... Oh, that's with the tone all the way up. Hello. Um, You know, by itself, it's still still a good bit of gain but more, you know it's not gonna replace like your high gain channel um but you know uh, yeah it
0: kind of sits i feel like just hearing it through the headphones it sounds kind of sounds like it sits between rev channel two and three so like it makes it like a rev machine like a five channel amp i have like yeah five
1: yeah um it's it it's still uh, keeps a lot of the high end and low end. It doesn't, it doesn't really cut off quite as much. So, like... Not as narrowing as a Tube Screamer, um, still, but... Can, so, let's also try using it... Let's do this. Let's turn the gain off entirely. So like, for example, here is the red channel on the rev. Um, This is uh, channel four. Kind of the juicier of the channels for sure. Um, But, you know, let's say we want to tighten it up even a bit further or boost it a bit. You know, just gives it a little bit more without, or or a lot more. Actually, the volume was not even up that much. Let's crank it all the way up. You know, just really push your amp that much more. The Rev does not necessarily need more drive, okay? This was at no aggression level, gain at like noon, but maybe your amp needs more. Uh, The Ice Cream does it and it sounds really good. It's like you can kind of use it like a tube screamer or like a drive pedal, um, like a typical drive pedal um, to boost your amp if you want it to be a little more full frequency. Um, so I've really been enjoying this quite a bit. And that's pretty much all the pedals I've been using. I have a bunch of like weird stuff that sometimes gets used. Um, you know, anything that I can't reproduce in Pro Tools with a plug in. Um, I like to have a pedal and, uh, or like, not that I like to have a pedal. Like there are some pedals that I need to get a certain sound. So, Mm -hmm.
0: but these are kind of like your meat and potatoes. This is what you got. And then you can tweak on your end when you're done with everything. Yeah, exactly. Cool, man. Well, uh, we talked about the pedals and I don't want to be, uh, shrewd or anything, but since we can't hear it, I know you didn't have it set up to do this, but let's at least talk about what's in the rack so people can at least understand what you have working on beyond just what we're hearing today.
1: Yeah, so the, the, um, the thing about the rack is that it's, it's not so important what exactly it sounds like. It's the functionality of it anyway. So let's get into that just a scotch.
0: All right, Trey, rack me Amadeus. Tell me about what's going on in those shelves. Sick. Those spaces.
1: It's 2020, you know, touring is hard, it's expensive, and smaller bands need to be as self-contained as possible and be able to tour as cheap as you possibly can. Um, You know, it's pretty unlikely that you're gonna be touring with your own in-ear monitor guy, your own, uh, maybe your own sound guy, but for monitors, probably not. If you don't have roadies or uh, a crew, you know, you don't wanna be hauling a ton of crap in and out every night, and you wanna be able to set up and break down super fast. So, for that purpose, I created this all-in-one rack. Now, I'm not gonna give you every single little detail about it, but I'm gonna give you the long and short of, of what it is. So, you may have seen bands using modelers live, you know, they'll use like rack mount stuff like Axe-FX, uh, rack mount Helix, or like a Kemper, or anything like that. So, the problem with those isn't uh, whether or not they sound good, because they do. I love that kind of stuff. It's that they kind of take up two or three racks and we've got two guitar players and a bass player. We don't want to use up that much space in this little tiny rack. So (laughs) we've got a secret. Um, And that is the Line 6 HX Stomp, which is um, a full featured Helix uh, modeler that just uh, has a couple of limitations but it's this big. Look how tiny they are. So we have modeling for all three um, string players in the band, both guitars and bass, all of the tones are in here, okay? And if, that, if you're thinking, yeah, but Trey, how do you, how do you foot switch uh, when they're inside the rack? I run over and push the button with my finger. That's a lie. We have everything all synced up uh, through this Cymatic Audio LP-16, which, sends MIDI signals to all of these and switches our patches in real time. It uh, <laughs> also sends out a click track to our in-ear monitors and any backing tracks that we have, like uh, a lot of orchestral stuff, you know? Um, ba- some backing vocals, backing choir parts, stuff like that. So- How does that get
0: triggered from the start of the show? Does someone hit, uh, I guess, the space bar or does it get triggered on the drum hit?
1: Uh, it's, there's a yeah, There's a play button, so you just hit uh, play and um you can either have it stop in between songs and push it every time um uh-huh. or you could have it play a whole set uh you know how it depends on how you have it set up um gotcha. so the and there's actually a foot switch that you can plug into here um so our whole you know our whole set is loaded onto this little thumb drive that goes in here um and it, it does everything and the coolest part about this thing is that it doesn't uh, you don't have to have a laptop this cuts the laptop out of the equation I can't tell you how many times I've seen bands big bands have to stop their set in the middle of a song Because the friggin laptop is it took a shit and uh, whatever you know Ableton or whatever program they're running uh, Was running the whole show and it went down. This is a dedicated little unit that does just this one thing you know, you're not uh, you're checking your email on it. You didn't, you can't download a virus onto this. And uh, it's so amazing and it's perfect for that. And so we have the whole, all the playback, all our modeling, this thing, which we use to, um, because we don't want to use like our, bring our own drum mics and mic up the drums ourselves and then run the, all that into here. You just use, um, you just tap into the monitor feed from front of or from the uh, the house monitor feed using this sound tap from ultimate ears uh you can literally unplug a monitor plug it in here plug it into your system and then plug it back out here back into the monitor and steal the feed off of that and you can have the sound guy just put the drums in it and then that goes into the behringer x32 rack where we route everything um into our in-ears and then uh, back out to front of house so, um this is you basically we plug uh let me see. So uh what am I doing? Right, so the guitars go into here, um, vocal mics, keyboards, uh everything goes in here, goes into here so that we can run our own in ear monitor mixes, and we don't have to have a separate guy. You can uh, uh whoop, whoop, what's this called? Do it on mobile control. control. Yeah, um. Am. You can mix your own in-ear monitor mix on, uh, on your phone. And so if you've got too much of something or not enough, you just up and down like that. Um, it's completely self-contained. These are our uh, wireless units for our in-ears. These are our guitar wireless things. Power, and that's basically everything. So when we show up, we bring the uh, you know drums, keyboard, guitars, and this, and plop it down on stage, plug everything in, and go. It's about as fast as you could possibly imagine, and especially if you're not the headliner, you know, if you're an opening band, um, you'd be lucky to get a sound check, much less a line check, so you wanna be able to do it as fast as possible, not piss off the headliner, and so that you can worry about all the other stuff, you know, um, like maybe g- getting a line check or anything like that, and it's very expensive to put together, but still going to save you money in the long run because you don't have to hire another entire human being to come and do that particular job. Um, I know
0: if- we did the interview, uh, we rundown down with Aaron from Intervals. He was saying he was speaking along the same wavelength that you are about how much time and eventual money that he saved because he did the Axe Effects 3. And, and then, like you're saying, he had everything mapped out through the whole set. And not only was it kind of a a, a freeing experience on stage, but he was also able to let that be a a situation where he could have it set up and think he said 10 to 15 minutes, man.
1: Yeah, it's wild. So we also did a rig video with with Aaron and uh, that was a little bit part of the inspiration for this. Um, That and uh, Fluff, my friend Fluff, uh, whose band is called Dragged Under, uh, at the time they were Rest Repose. Um, he built a, something similar to this, but then it was they were still using like amp heads and stuff And I was like, I don't want to deal with any of that Let's get let's shrink it down as far as it can go and then the friggin HX stomp came out and I was already using the helix um, You know, I used like a helix floorboard for a while the big the big uh, I think it was the LT and I use helix native and then they came out with this and it's this big and we don't use like big signal chains the only limitation really is that you can only use, I think six effects blocks, and I'll probably never use that much in one, in one thing. Yeah. So it's all in there and we can fit all of it into like a two or two and a half space rack wild. And in case it doesn't get any better than that, now the Helix has, with the most recent update, it has both of the high gain channels from the Rev 120 modeled in there so that can be our you're that's one our excited boy now. and it's yeah you're one excited boy i'm so excited and of course this would be the year that everything gets canceled and there's no chance we're gonna tour or play live shows so this thing's gonna sit here
0: well there's always next year
1: there's always next year um and we've got it and we'll be ready we're ready for you 2021 in virtue's coming for you <laughs> I felt like
0: all of a sudden it just shifted into like a WWF promo from like 1992. With me Listen, and G brother, <laughs> 2021,
1: in virtue coming for you. <sighs> I don't know what you- Man,
0: said. I wish I could end it better than that, Trey. I, I really do appreciate you talking to us. You you opened up your home, your heart, and your, uh you know, Rift Station and showed us all the goods. I appreciate you, man. And if you you've hung out this long, you already dig Trey and what he does. And if you don't know, you gotta go check out Gear Gods and subscribe to that. If you haven't subscribed to Premier Guitar, you should probably do that first. Trey, I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Oh
1: yeah, thank you. This was wild. I'm usually on the other side of the camera for this. It was so cool getting to getting to be have the cameras pointed at me and do it like this. So thanks for having <laughs> me.
0: Yeah, no problem, man. Peace out.
1: Peace out. Bye.